Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Well, 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 I don't know if it's spirituality per se that we're going to speak about today. What's on my mind is a a controversy that seems to be brewing on social media. And seeing as it is this time of the year, the month of Av, a period that we call the Nine Days, a time that commemorates national tragedy for the Jewish world over the course of our history, I think it's quite enlightening and interesting that this kind of controversy should explode over social media at exactly this time. Don't know what I'm talking about? Welcome to the show. <laughs> you with Rabbi Shishla. We're together until 3 o'clock. And what I'm talking about is recently I noticed on Twitter that there was a lot of consternation. It seems, although they backtracked now, and Twitter claims that it was misunderstanding and perhaps algorithms working in an unhealthy or unpredictable way. I don't know. Jury's still out on that one. But basically the story is that there were people who had displayed a mug in David, the Star of David, in their profile pictures on Twitter and then discovered that their accounts were blocked. And the reason given for the blocking of their Twitter accounts was that this was hateful imagery. Now, that really, that really got people thinking and got people talking and got people's backs up. And I thought, let's also talk about it. There are a number of different angles that we can take this from. And hopefully during the course of the time we have together, we'll explore some of those different angles. But really, I think the first thing that jumps out at you is, well, what do you think when you would hear or how would you react if you would hear of a suggestion that a Jewish symbol, specifically the Magen David, the Star of David, which I think for many people is the ultimate Jewish symbol, and we can talk about that too, incidentally. Do you feel that that's the ultimate Jewish symbol? I personally have views on it, which I'll share with you a little bit later. But, uh, you know, for, for many, many people, this is it. This is the symbol of what it means to be a Jewish person. How dare you turn around and say that this is a symbol of hate? I mean, what are we going to do next? Start to outlaw the religious symbol of every religion that exists? So I think that that was the first knee-jerk kind of reaction that people had. And we'll test that, and I'd like to know what you think, and if you perhaps agree with that and feel that, in fact, that is exactly the issue. We should never have uh, allowed, or nobody should ever allow, something which is the symbol of our heritage and our religion to be associated, God forbid, with anything like hatred. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and I'd like to explore it from various angles. Symbolism, what symbols speak to you, how do you respond when people take good things in the wrong way. That's the conversation we're going to have today, and especially against the backdrop of the fact that we're in this period known as the nine days, the time of mourning, the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, subsequently by the Romans, and various other negative historical events that happened over this time. So if you're going to weigh in, the way to do it, you can send an SMS to 34519. You can use Telegram to message us on 0618951019. Otherwise, send a tweet at Chai FM or directly to me at Ravashish. You can also follow us on Facebook, either on the Chai FM Facebook page or on my Facebook Live happening now. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. I don't think that we as Jewish people are strangers to being accused of things that are not necessarily accurate. 
So here we're talking about the suggestion that the Magen David, the Star of David, might be a hate symbol. Like I say, it's not so, no surprise to us because we as Jewish people, we have been subject to blood libels. We've been accused of the most heinous behavior, totally unfounded. We've been accused of bringing down monarchies, of controlling governments and economies and the media. We've been accused of killing people, whether that be to, that we're the killers of somebody's God or whether it's the killers of somebody's child. So I don't think that it's such a surprise to us that people will turn things Jewish into negative symbology. I don't think it's a surprise. It doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that it's not upsetting. And of course, it does mean that there's something seriously misguided in our world. You know, sometimes you'll hear people speak about the Jewish nation as the so-called canary in the uh, in the mine kind of thing. Um, but I don't think it's just that. I don't just think that we symbolize global attitudes. You know, the way people treat us will tell you soon enough what they're going to do to others. I think it runs a little bit more deeply than that. The Jewish nation, our goal, our purpose, our role in this world is, as many people will tell you, to be a light unto the nations. And essentially what that means is that we're supposed to be the flag bearers of morality, of spirituality, of higher connection, of deep values. And so any time that you hear that toxic speak and people turn things around and start to make us the devil, I think it's indicative of what people see as their value set, what they see as meaningful, what they see as priority. So there you go. That's that's one possibility, right? One one possible angle that we could take it from. And I, I think it's definitely t- something to talk about because, again, like I said it right at the beginning, at this time of the year, we commemorate anti-Semitism. We commemorate our dark history of anti-Semitism. We commemorate things like the Spanish expulsion. We, we think of things like the Holocaust, obviously, at this time of the year. And we primarily think about the destruction of our temples in Jerusalem. First the temple that was destroyed by the Babylonians and later the temple that was destroyed by the Romans. Because that's symbolic. This is not just merely about hatred. This is not just merely about genocidal intentions. This is if you wish, there's there's almost like this battle raging between different value systems. Our value system is bring godliness to the fore. Our value system is make the world a place of holiness. Our value system is we're not just here to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. We're here to find meaning. We're here to elevate. We're here to to conform to a set of rules that perhaps people don't appreciate or, or don't necessarily want to have to, to follow. So that's that's the greatness of the Jewish nation. By the way, one of the... Wonderful things, by the way, of uh, living in a lockdown, obviously, is that you have family members come and meet you. So we'll soon have my uh, daughter here on high with us. <laughs> if you hear her in the background, she's got lots to say. So what is the what is the significance? What is the symbolism? What is the message of being Jewish? The message of being Jewish is this is a holy environment that we live in. This is God's home that we live in. This is a place that should be elevated. This is a place that should be made into something that has meaning. And, and a lot of people don't like that. They're like, why do you want to rob me of my, of, of my pleasures? Why do you want to make life 
about all this responsibility. So I think often when you see this kind of vitriol coming out, although it seems to be directed against us as people, in fact, it's directed against what we represent. And that's why I think it's interesting to discuss the symbol. So if I had to say Magan David, if I had to say the Star of David, what does it mean to you, to you as an individual? What does it mean? Is it symbolic? Is it something which you think is religious in nature? Is it something that you think is nationalistic? Is it something which is just iconic? Is it the kind of thing you wear on jewelry and it's culturally symbolic? Does it actually have some kind of a spiritual significance? And I think a good place to start this conversation would be to try and work out how far back does the Magen David, the Star of David, actually go as a Jewish symbol? Is it something that's more recent? Is it something that has been part of our culture right from the beginning? That's part of the conversation of it. Because I think if we understand what it symbolizes or we explore what it symbolizes, it will probably help us to gain some kind of a perspective on what it might mean if somebody has an issue with that symbol, because does it represent us? Does it represent God? Does it represent our religion? Does it represent the Torah? What exactly is the nature of this particular symbol to us? I think every time that something flares up in our faces and makes us think and makes us, uh, you know, re revisit or question, it's good. It's actually healthy. Sometimes we have to question and rethink those things that perhaps we take for granted, like the symbol of a mug and David, a symbol of Judaism. Here's interesting. Uh, at, I don't know how you say this. Anyhow, Sweet and Good Torah on Twitter says that the ultimate symbol for Judaism should be the Torah itself. Not necessarily a star or a piece of jewelry, but the Torah itself. What do you think of that? That the, the Torah, the, the scroll, or maybe it's the tablets, you know, you go to many synagogues, to shuls, and you have the symbol of the tablets representing Judaism. Perhaps, perhaps that should be the symbol. Who decided that it should be the Magen David, the Star of David? Is it actually a genuine Jewish symbol? Okay, good point. And I think that that might talk to the heart of this issue. Um, and here's Sean. Sean also on Twitter says, while everyone associates the symbol of the Magen David with Judaism, few of us know the real source for it. Okay, now there's an interesting thing. And, and I'd like to ask you a question. Does it make a difference? The fact that perhaps people don't know the source of the Magen David. So we don't know how it became a Jewish symbol. Is that relevant to the conversation? If something developed over the course of time, let's say for argument's sake, I mean, it's a bit ridiculous, but just to make the point, let's say for argument's sake that you don't know how latkes came to symbolize Hanukkah, or you don't know how gefilte fish came to symbolize Shabbos. Does that mean it doesn't symbolize it? So Sean's saying, we don't know the source of the Magen David as a Jewish symbol, and that's probably historically accurate. But does that mean that now, when so many Jewish people wear a Magen David, and so many Jewish entities or buildings or um, organizations are represented by the Magen David. The Israeli flag has the Magen David. Does that mean it is, surely it's now gained that position in society, even if it does not have an historical background. So I think that that's also an interesting point. We sometimes get caught up in the history of it. And, and some people may even go so far as to say that the Magen David has a negative association. In fact, I would imagine that that's what Twitter is going to use as their defense. 
the reason why the Magen David was identified as a hateful symbol was because people had probably earlier reported things like the yellow star of Nazi Germany as a sign of hate. And when you're dealing with algorithms and you're dealing with artificial intelligence, I don't know if it knows how to tell the difference between the blue star and the yellow star that are of the same dimensions and shape and design. So, okay, that's uh, <laughs> that's a possibility. It's very interesting, very interesting once you get into it. Sean also had another comment, and that was that he would say the ultimate symbol of, Ju- of Judaism should actually be the menorah. Now, I tend to agree with that for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of those reasons would be quite simply that the menorah is certainly an older or more original symbol of Judaism, right? Uh, definitely more original than the Magen David, whatever you're going to say about the Magen David, and wherever you're going to say that it came from, it's definitely not as old or as part and parcel of the Jewish heritage as the menorah would be. And we'll talk about that in, in, in a moment or two. But I definitely would like to hear your thoughts about it. What does it mean to you? Do you wear a Magen David? Let's talk about that. Do you have a piece of jewelry that has a Magen David on it? And if you do, what does it symbolize? If you were to see a Magen David lying in the street, what would it mean to you? 34519, if you're going to send us an SMS message. Otherwise, on Telegram, it's 061-895-1019. Twitter, at FM and at Rabashish, or on Facebook, happening now. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. See, here's what's interesting about it. So, Ronnie, for example, has commented on Facebook that the Magadovid would represent the core of her being. Now, we could sit here and argue philosophy or theology or history. Does the Magadovid represent something? Does it not represent something? If we've created an association with it, surely that means that it now represents something, whether there's history to back it up or not. Reminds me a little bit of this. You know, a shul is supposed to be a holy place, much like the temple was the holiest place. And for many people, they'll tell you that if you go today to the Western Wall, even though you'd be standing outside of the precinct of the temple, for many people, they'll tell you that is the holiest place in the Jewish world today. What makes it holy? Is there something about the geography? Is it the coordinates? Is it the design of the building If a shul is holy, is it because of the architecture? Is it the fact that it's got the ark in the front? Is it the fact that it houses Torahs? What is it that makes a place holy? We're talking at this time of the year, as we move towards Tisha B'Av, we're exactly a week until Tisha B'Av, the day of national mourning of the Jewish people. And we, on Tisha B'Av, we mourn the destruction of the temple. So what are we mourning? Are we mourning the destruction of a building? Why, Why do we hold that building so dear that... The fact the building was destroyed is so devastating for us. It's a building. I mean, buildings are replaceable. Why don't you just build some, build one somewhere else? So what is it that makes something holy? And it's significant to this conversation. What is it that makes a Magen David holy? If it is holy, what is it that makes it symbolic? If it is symbolic. So as I said, historically, if you go back, you will definitely find ancient archaeological evidence of the menorah, the candelabra, as a symbol of Judaism. You'll find it on ancient Jewish coins that they've unearthed in Israel, in archaeological digs. You'll find it in that slap in the face called the Ark of Titus, where they depict soldiers, Roman soldiers, carrying out imp- elements and, and furniture and uh, implements 
from the temple. And of course, the most featured element is the menorah, the candelabra, even though the menorah that's depicted over there does not match the description of the menorah as it was in the temple, but that will be subject for a different conversation. The fact is that they saw as a symbol of the Jewish people, you want to show victory over your enemy, you depict their particular symbol and you show, you see us, we've taken their symbol, we've kind of destroyed their symbol. So they had the menorah as that symbol. We're told that the menorah in the temple had seven branches to represent the fact that there are effectively seven kinds of personalities within the Jewish world. I mean, it's probably universal, but we're talking over here about the Jewish world. So the people are represented by the menorah, diverse, the different branches, but all from one stem and all made out of one block of gold because fundamentally united in spite of our diversity. The menorah is a symbol, obviously, of light. And our job in this world is to generate light in the world. In fact, even the design of the temple was such that the windows were angled in such a way the menorah's light should be able to radiate outwards to symbolize and to remind us that the purpose of the Jewish nation is to illuminate the world. So you can see a lot of correlation between the menorah as a symbol and the Jewish people as a people. So not only is it historically a symbol of ours, but it is also conceptually a symbol of ours. And needless to say, it played a very big role in the temple service. It also plays a role in our lives still until today. Just as much as you will find the Magadovid as a symbol throughout our holy buildings, you will also find the menorah as a symbol in our holy buildings. And of course, we have a holiday once a year called Hanukkah where we light a menorah in our homes. So there's no question about it that the menorah is a very strong symbol of Judaism. The Magan David would be hard-pressed to find early evidence of the fact that it would have been a Jewish symbol. Firstly, there was absolutely no Magan David sign in the temple. Or, for that matter, in the, in the Mishkan sanctuary when the Jews were in the desert. In fact, even the name Magen David, which means the shield of David, seems historically to be a bit of a misnomer. There doesn't seem to be any evidence that David's sh- soldiers had this symbol on their shields. But is that really an issue? Because, as, I, as we said, what makes a shul holy? Is it the architecture? Is it the location? Actually not, funnily enough. People think that we assemble in a shul because it's a holy place. People think that we daven, we pray in facing in the direction of the temple because the temple is a holy place. It's actually the other way around. A shul becomes a holy place because of the fact that so many of us congregate there. It's the collective energy of all of our souls in a single place that makes the place holy. And by extension, the temple is the holiest place because that's where everybody would gather. You've got your shul in your neighborhood. I've got my shul in my neighborhood. And there's only a limited amount of people who visit our in our respective shuls. So there's only a limited amount of divine presence in that space. Whereas if you went to the temple and all of the Jews gathered in the temple, suddenly you've got the extreme, the ultimate version of holiness. So in the same way as people create the environment and people bring the holiness to a place, I think it would be fair to say that we bring holiness to a particular symbol. Once that symbol, and they'll tell you historically that it appeared in the 17th century on Jewish buildings, they needed to be able to identify shuls. So this became the symbol of how they identified shuls, which obviously would raise the question, why did they choose that symbol and not the menorah? And who says they didn't have both? I don't know. 
But let's just say that it emerged around about the 17th century as a Jewish symbol on our buildings, our places of worship. And then by extension, you can imagine that it would then have started to appear on our holy books, on the covers of books. And then by extension, you can imagine people started to fashion it into jewelry and eventually embroider it onto their yarmulkes or, or however it worked. So that would give us a good few hundred years that this symbol has represented Judaism and not just Judaism, but Jewish spiritual practice, the shawls, the books, the Torah covers, whatever it might be. I would say that in a similar way to how the people bring the holiness to the shul, it's quite likely that the usage that we have used the symbol has probably brought it to a particular status within the Jewish world and within Jewish symbology. So we could argue it until we're blue in the face and maybe it does or doesn't have an origin in original classic sources. At this point, it's probably moot. At this point, it's probably universally identified as a symbol of Judaism. And at this point, any action, attitude, disparaging talk about that Star of David is most likely directed at us. It's something that is personal. And it, I, I think it should be probably addressed as such. Quite a few comments coming through. Let's have a look at some of the comments uh, somebody has shared that Twitter, okay, I don't want to get really caught up into the whole debate about Twitter itself, but basically they said, we categorically do not consider the Star of David as a hateful symbol or hateful image. Okay, so there you go. They definitely uh, stepped up to the plate and apologized, I suppose, for that whole discussion. Here's an interesting one. So Jean-Paul says that if you look in the book of Isaiah, says on Facebook, woe to those who say that evil is good. And good is evil, who make darkness into light and light into darkness. They make bitter sweet and sweet bitter. I love that because it's something that resonates very strongly in this particular conversation. Woe to the people who say that darkness is light. You know, when I think that's exactly what he's referring to here. You have a symbol, a symbol of light, a symbol of holiness, a symbol of spirituality, a symbol of higher living, a symbol of great moral responsibility. And then people turn around and call that a symbol of hatred. You have to ask yourself the question, where are you coming from? It's like that old, sta that old statement that if you are kind to those who are cruel, you will eventually be cruel to those who are kind. In other words, if you can't tell the difference, if you cannot distinguish between what is good and positive, and that which is negative and hateful. And unfortunately, I think our world has lost the plot to a large extent on exactly that point. Thinking that certain kinds of behavior, which are completely antithetical and unacceptable, and I'm talking specifically about things that are going on in the region in Israel, that those are excusable. And then you turn around and point an accusatory finger at the Jewish nation. You've got some real soul searching to do. That's called rendering darkness as light. And deciding that evil is good. Terrible things happen with that kind of an attitude. We have plenty of history to prove that that's the case. If you have just joined, this is Fresh Thinking on Chai FM. You can catch us on 101.9 Chai FM or streaming www.chaifm.com. Talking about issues from a slightly different spiritual perspective. You with Rabbi Shishla, we're together until just before 3 o'clock this afternoon. Thanks for joining.
Discam Linksfield has opened their new store in the neighborhood complex in Linksfield, which is on the corner of Sivan and Club Street. It's a full-line Discam store, which means that in addition to your meds, supplements, hygiene, and health foods, Discam Linksfield has a wellness and a well-baby clinic. There's ample free parking, and remember, Discam also do free delivery. That's Discam Linksfield, pharmacists who care. Okay, so talking today about the, maybe it's a storm in the teacup, but I don't think so. I think unfortunately what's going on in today's world is that you do have people who believe, obviously incorrectly, but who believe that a symbol of goodness, a symbol of morality, a symbol of the one nation on earth who has gone through all of the most incredible things of history and come out alive and kicking, and not only alive, but adding value to the world, that that we should become, our symbol should be a symbol of hatred. Somebody has truly, truly lost the plot. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. What does the Magen David, the Jewish star, mean to you? Send a message on 34519. That's our um, SMS line. You can send a message also on Telegram, 0618951019. We'd love to have your tweets at Chai FM and at Ravashish. There's also a conversation happening right now on Facebook. It's on the Chai FM Facebook page. It is also on um, my personal Chai FM, uh, my personal Facebook live. Let's hear what it is that you have to say about this subject. There's another comment that says, for me, the Magen David symbolizes the house of David and David's relentless, relentless interest in the protection and physical and spiritual well-being of the Jewish people. It is a symbol of Jewish unity and a stand against evil and a promotion of good. I think that is exactly the thing. That for us, we take tremendous pride in our symbols, be it the menorah, be it the Star of David. It actually doesn't make a difference. We take a tremendous pride in that, not only because it represents us as a people, but because we believe that we as a people have a tremendous value to bring to the world. That we believe absolutely in the goodness of all people. That we believe in allowing the world to find a higher reality and a greater sense of good, shared good, collaboration, care and concern, and most importantly, a spiritual and holy orientation. So for us, that's what it all believe, what it, what it all represents. And so I think that's why we'll be very protective and rightly so over the symbol, be it the symbol of the Magen David itself, be it the symbol of uh, the menorah, whichever, it actually all really boils down to the same thing. Um, who was it? Gillian. Gillian says, to me, the Magen David represents that I am proud of my faith and who my God is. You know, what's interesting about that is that from a Jewish perspective, I don't think we're so much into that thing of it's my God. <laughs> we're not possessive about God. I mean, we're certainly proud of the fact that we have a deep connection with God. But we're not looking to have a monopoly on God. On the contrary, what this Magen David is supposed to represent is the intersection. Many people tell you it represents the intersection of the holy and the mundane. So you've got a triangle that faces downwards and you've got a triangle that faces upwards. And many people will tell you the symbolism of that is that Judaism is about harmonizing two completely independent realities. Because... There is a spiritual realm and there's a physical realm. And many people will tell you never the twain shall meet because they're totally different orientations 
and they have totally different sets of priorities. So many people will tell you, you cannot bridge the gap between those two worlds. The spiritual world is constantly on its way up, meaning to say it's constantly progressing away from the physical space. It moves towards the undefined, whereas the physical world is very much about the here and now. How much money is in your bank? What do you look like? How much weight have you lost? How far have you run? How many steps have you taken today? The entire experience and, and the parameters of our world is very much about definition. How do we define things? So most people think that if you had to symbolize with imagery, if you had to symbolize the spiritual and the physical, you would probably symbolize them altogether differently from our Mag and David. In our Mag and David, the two intersect. The upward triangle and the downward triangle intercept and overlap. If you were to express spiritual and physical, you'd actually expect that there's an upward triangle sitting on top of a downward triangle. And the upward triangle would represent the spiritual realm, which is constantly in this movement upwards. And the downward triangle would represent the physical materialistic world, which is constantly on a trajectory downwards. You know, how do I get more invested in the materialistic? How much more pleasure can I have? How much more money can I amass? And they really should pull in opposite directions and never interact with each other. But that's exactly antithetical to Judaism. What Judaism is all about, is the harmonizing of an upper reality and a lower reality. We believe that it begins with each of us because to live as a human being is actually the harmonizing of spirit and flesh. Think about it. It's a soul that lives inside a body. And they're not in conflict. I mean, they may naturally pull in different directions, but they're not fundamentally in conflict. The goal is for the soul to lift the body. In other words, to inspire us to become greater people, higher people, more transcendent people, more outgoing people, more empathetic people, whatever it is that we need to do in order to kind of lift ourselves. And at the same time, and this is really, really important, the goal is to bring the soul into our reality. And we should be able to hear the soul's voice. Unfortunately for many of us, we don't hear the voice of our own souls. That's where it begins. It begins in that tug of war of the human being himself or herself. Who is the real me? Am I all about the sensations of the body or am I about the dreams of the spirit? So Judaism says, harmonize the two. The soul has tremendous value to add to the body's very real, visceral experience. And the body has value, believe it or not, to add to the soul's experience. Because the soul being invested in the body gets to actually taste and experience and touch and do things. Things that have a holy value to them. Good deeds. You can't do good deeds as a soul up in heaven when you're completely disembodied. You cannot perform a mitzvah, an instruction of God as a soul living disembodied. So there's a harmony of the two. It begins within ourselves. We are considered the microcosm. And from there it radiates out into the rest of the world where the goal is that the whole world should become this harmonization of a spiritual or a divine reality and a human or a physical reality. So the giving of the Torah, for example, would be a great example of that because the giving of the Torah, we're told, the verse says that God descended onto Mount Sinai and Moses climbed up the mountain. That's the two triangles. So Moses, who represents the human physical world, he's got to lift himself. That's the upward triangle that is at the bottom. And God, who represents the divine world, comes down, that's the upside-down triangle, and they intersect and they overlap. So that could very well be why 
the Magen David became over the course of time symbolic of Judaism because it's very much what Judaism is about. Harmonizing two contradictory realities, bringing holiness into the now and lifting the now into a transcendent space. If somebody has an issue with the Star of David, they probably, without even realizing it, have a big issue with bringing godliness into a physical world. Let's keep the two separate. You keep your religion in your house of worship and be a normal person on the street. Judaism says we wear, I mean, not me personally, but many people wear a piece of jewelry with that Magen David on it, carrying the symbol around their neck that says, we're here to create an intersection of the higher and lower realms. I'd love to hear if you've got input or insight on that, you can share with us via SMS on 34519. On Telegram, 0618951019. Join the commentary on Twitter at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish and right here on Facebook. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Here's Leah on Twitter. Quite interesting because originally a little bit earlier I asked the question, what would you consider to be the ultimate symbol of Judaism? We're talking today about the Magen David, the Star of David, and how there's been this controversy on Twitter. People having their accounts blocked and the reason cited is because they had a Star of David in their, uh, in their profile and that was seen to be a, an image of hatred. Seems that something just went wrong in the algorithm and they were trying to uh, identify <laughs> yellow stars of David. That's what it would appear to be. Leia says, interesting, I would say the menorah. So there we go. We seem to have quite a number of people who consider the menorah the ultimate sign of Judaism. She says, honored mention for the tablets and it would be impossible not to mention the Magen David from King David to becoming the modern, modern symbol of victory over anti-Semitism. So it's interesting. Again, you see people say that it goes back to the time of King David. We don't know that that is actually factual. But as I said earlier, it may not make any difference. Kathy on Facebook says, to me, the Magandovid represents everything. To others, it brings out the worst in them. I think that that's exactly what we're talking about. You know, if a person represents something that is um, annoying that is offensive to another person, you always have to ask yourself the question, well, why is that offensive to you? If theoretically you had to see cruelty to animals, if you had to see people abusing the environment, if you had to see people who mistreated other people, for sure, it should offend you. It should offend you. Why does this offend you? Why does the symbol of the oldest surviving religion under the most adverse circumstances, why should this offend you? Why should it offend you that these are people who have these welfare programs throughout the whole world? Why should it offend you that we're a people who wants to bring meaning and holiness to the environment that we live in? It, it can only offend a person if it, as Kathy says, brings out the worst, the worst in them. In other words, if it brings out the dark side of who they are, that usually they're very polite about, nobody really gets to see, but now the underbelly starts to show. Interesting. Ariella says on Facebook, for me, the Magen David represents the balance of sacred geometry that Hashem used to create the universe. That's very interesting. For me, my star is a reminder of my relationship with creation, with the creator at the center. So that included a picture of a chain with a Magen David on it. So I think it's a similar kind of concept to what we've been speaking about, this concept of intersection, the higher realm and the lower realm overlapping, because that is very much a big part of what Judaism is all about. And so, yes, I think it is fair to say that it has come to represent much of Judaism. 
Um, Ellie says there are lots of meanings behind the Magen David, including Kabbalistic ones. But I think to many, it symbolizes to keep on pre- keep on walking, keep on praying, keep on trying. The approach of Jews going from the brink of destruction to reclaiming Israel, and for some of its military, economic, agricultural, etc., m- others might see it more in a spiritual sense, spiritual might. Okay, so there you have it. So uh, it's, it is no question about it that it will have different symbolisms for different people. Absolutely. But one thing will be universal. I don't believe that there's a person in the Jewish world who would turn around and say, uh, the Magen David is not a Jewish symbol, even though it does appear in other cultures as well. It's not. I don't believe it's a uniquely Jewish symbol. You will find it. Sometimes it's surprising to people in the Far East, and you're walking around, and the next thing you see a Magen David, and you think, well, where did that come from? Um, many symbols tend to be quite universal. So that's why, that's why I'm not entirely sure that you can say this is the ultimate Jewish symbol, and that's why I think something like the menorah might do a better job, or the tablets, because those are uniquely Jewish. Uh, here's another quote on Twitter, another comment on Twitter that says, In ancient times and in general, it represents light over darkness, protection from above, and in modern times, our victory over anti-Semitism. It's very interesting that people associate the Magen David specifically with a victory over anti-Semitism. I guess that that has to be because uh, the, the Israeli military uses the Magen David as a symbol. So we have that natural association between the, uh, at least the Air Force, between um, the vanquishing anti-Semitism and, and having the Magen David. Although I think in people's minds, they hear the word Magen David, which means the shield of David. Naturally, they start to think, oh, King David absolutely stood up against our enemies. He vanquished the Philistines, for example. So there's probably that carryover as well. I did see something interesting. I don't know if it does or does not have a source in any classical origin. But I did see something that says... Um, we know the Zohar talks about the relationship that we as Jewish people have with God as being a three-dimensional relationship. So there's a connection between us, the Torah, and God. So if you had to map that, if you had to describe that uh, that relationship, so you'd have three points because there's us, the Torah, God. And that would form the triangle. So I, again, I don't know if this has a classic source or not, but it is an interesting observation because then you would ask yourself the question, so why are there two triangles? Because if it's this relationship between us, the Torah, and God, there should just be a single triangle. So you read on further in the Zohar, and for those people who are not familiar, the Zohar is that fundamental work of Jewish mysticism. You read further, and the Zohar says, and each of those three operates in what we call a pnimi and a chitzoimi level. Pnimi means a very deep spiritual, meaningful level. Chitzoni means a more superficial level. So just to to give you an example, all of us as people, we operate on a superficial plane as Jews and on a deep plane as Jews. So the superficial plane might be um, I wear Jewish iconography on jewelry or maybe I wear a kippah on my head or whatever the case is. So that could be quite superficial. It may not necessarily represent a depth of relationship between myself and my Judaism. It could just simply be that I feel that these things are kind of important and I've got to give that, that, um, that sign to the rest of the world that I am connected. And then there's the deeper relationship. The deeper relationship is what does my Judaism mean to me? So it's not about what I show to everybody else. It's what I feel on the inside. You know, what, what, what does it, how does it talk to me? What is Judaism for me? So, so that kind of thing. The same thing with the Torah. There's the part of the Torah that you study on a more superficial level, the storyline, the practical laws, and then there's the deeper part of Torah, which is the mysticism of Torah, the symbolism of Torah, what those laws mean and 
why it is that we have the, uh, the you know, why it is that we have these particular stories that are so important to us and we keep repeating them on an annual basis or whatever the case is. So that's, um, people will tell you, is why they're two triangles. The one triangle represents, so to speak, the more um, superficial dimension of our relationship or of our soul or of the Torah or of God. And the other triangle represents the deeper. It's interesting, and I think it's, uh, it's definitely something to look into. As I say, I'm not sure that that has a an actual source in an actual book, but you never know. So it'd be interesting. Um, <laughs> here's Kathy who says on Telegram, what about the pomegranate? Right? Pomegranate as a symbol of Judaism. Um, yes, I wouldn't call the pomegranate the symbol of Judaism, even though the Chev probably does. Um, it's their it's their logo. But it's more the symbol of the Jew, because the Talmud tells us that even the greatest Jewish sinner is filled with mitzvahs, like a pomegranate is filled with seeds. So I'd say that's a symbol of the Jew as a person, rather than of Judaism as a, and I hate to use the word religion, because it's so much more, but you get what I mean. Um, and then Kathy continues, what about the mezuzah? So again, I don't know, would the mezuzah symbolize Judaism? I think it does on a personal level, like in your house. When you walk in, it's a reminder, this is a Jewish environment. It's kind of like crossing a threshold from the rest of the world out there to my safe space where I have these values of Judaism and so on. And uh, Kathy's uh, message rounds off, Judaism has many symbols. Good luck if Twitter wants to ban them all. Well, indeed. And good luck if Twitter wants to ban Jewish people. Yo, I think we have a highly disproportionate representation on social media. <laughs> you don't want to ban us. What do you think? What else for you would be a symbol of Judaism? I think it's been an interesting conversation. It certainly gets us riled up when somebody attacks those things that we see as representing ourselves. Still got time to make a comment, 34519 via SMS or on Telegram, 0618951019. Conversation is happening on Twitter, at FM and at Rabashish, as well as Facebook on the FM Facebook page or on my Facebook Live. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Here's a nice message uh, on Facebook from Eliza. Eliza says that the Magandavid represents our, rep- our relationship and recognizing Hashem of heaven and earth, heaven and earth. And uh, she continues that the Magandavid represents heaven and earth, alpha and omega. So interesting. There's so many levels of symbolism to this. And without question, obviously, you can expect that different people will see it in different ways and from a different perspective. Um, yeah, so what does it mean for us? What's the take-home? Let's talk about a take-home. We're at a time of the year which commemorates terrible things that happened to the Jewish people over the course of our history. This is a time of the year when we think about destruction. This is a time of the year when we think about the loss of our temple. This is a time of year when we're reminded about how endemic, unfortunately, anti-Semitism remains in our modern educated society, for heaven's sake, you'd think we'd grow up by now, but there it is. And this debacle, whether it was a misstep on the part of Twitter's algorithms, or whether it was a genuine hate speech concept, I don't know. But either way, it talks to us. So here's the question. If you were, if you felt, if you were under the impression that there was going to be some kind of discrimination against you for wearing a mug and dubbing, would you hide it? In today's world, where we live in democratic societies, where we have the rights to protect ourselves, where we have healthy Jewish organizations, 
where we have the ability to speak up. Would you hide that mug and Because for me, I think this is the take on out of all of this. Regardless of whether the intentions were malicious or benign, the fact is that there were people on social media in the 21st century who had their accounts blocked because they had a Star of David. Now, if you want to tell me that the reason for that is because the AI of Twitter was trained to identify the Nazi star as a symbol of hatred, that in itself tells you we have a problem. That in itself reminds you that there's still a world out there and there are people who subscribe to that way of thinking, who believe that there should, God forbid, be a yellow star of David. And there's only one way to, to respond to that. Anti-Semitism is fundamentally cowardly. It is there as a challenge that Hashem puts in our path to see, will we do what we're supposed to do as Jewish people? Be a light unto the nations and create that intersection between the materialistic world and the divine world, which means to bring consciousness of God into the world. We need to remember, don't, don't step down. Don't shiver just because somebody doesn't like the symbol of what we represent. We're used to it. We've been there. We've done that. And we've emerged every single time while the others have collapsed. That is the symbolism of this time of the year. Yes, they could destroy the building. Yes, they could attack the symbol. Yes, we no longer have a temple in Jerusalem. But we're still here. Buildings can possibly be destroyed. Symbols can possibly be attacked. But the people behind those symbols, the people who bring the holiness to those buildings, we're not going anywhere. We never will will always emerge and we will eventually rise all the way to the top to teach and guide and inspire and lift the whole world to be a better place. If there are people out there who are quite afraid of that, that's really sad because the world should embrace it. The world should embrace the wisdom, the insight, the nobility, the morality, the spirituality that the Jewish world brings. And please God, very soon they will. And we'll live in a world filled with light. And people will love each other and they'll treat each other well. And we'll no longer be the canary in the mine, but we'll actually be that light of inspiration to everybody around us. Our prayer to Hashem is that that should happen right now. Thank you so much for your participation and your comments and insight. Really appreciate it. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Stay safe and stay sane.